Hello, I'm Party Parslow. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 7 of Party in China, detailing my last few days in the Sichuanese capital of Chengdu, which, as you'll hear, on this trip should have been called Chengdu't. Unable to enjoy my planned sightseeing, it seemed in my best interest to try and sort out my sore back. There was a massage place a few doors up from Sam's guest house, which I was keen to try, as the spruker was a beautiful 30-something, with shimmering ebony locks down past her buttocks, and a sweet, inviting smile, which turned into a cute pout of disappointment when I'd always kept walking before. But not today. Today, I was all hers. Except I wasn't. She merely took my arm, led me inside, and handed me over to an old crone, saying, Here's a granddad for you, Grandma. Yes, I could finally understand some Sichuanhua just when I was leaving. Grandma made me lie down, then yelled at me when I didn't fit on the table. I pulled it out so my shins and feet could dangle between the end of the table and the wall, then lay face down and helpfully pointed out where my back was sore, saying, Trang, which I think means sore. But she wasn't interested, made me roll over and started hurting me. First, she thumped my skull and tugged on my ears as if trying to remove them. Then she moved down to my neck and tried to remove my whole head. As she kneaded my lower neck, she called out to the others that it was like making dumplings. I finally understood some Sichuan Hua and everything I heard was insulting. After the initial shock of the assault, I was determined not to show any pain but she got a grunt out of me when attempting to dislocate my shoulder and laughed in victory. She moved from my arms to my legs and her thigh massage was getting too close to the lads for comfort. Then when she started slapping my legs, she belted Mr. Party right on his head and any determination not to react disappeared. I sat up yelling and she yelled too saying it shouldn't have been there. I finally understood some Sichuanhua, and all it got me was a punch in the penis. I tried to limp out of the place, but Grandma was thrown out instead, and I lay back down on my stomach, waiting for one of the other masseuses to finish with her client. I may have dozed off with my head in the hole in the table, because the next thing I recall is receiving an excellent back massage. The new girl was good. She had no English, but another masseuse in a back room, Nor-er by name, did. So mine would call out a question, Nor-er would translate, I'd answer, and then she'd translate back into Sichuanhua. Simple things like, Where you saw? Where you from? Why are you big? Apart from the distracting interview in Pigeon, the second massage was wonderful and my back felt much better. My genitals didn't. But I couldn't figure out how to ask for her help there without involving Nor-er. 
When I sat up, I saw my masseuse was tiny. I couldn't believe the strength in her hands. She couldn't believe the size of my boots. She put both her feet in one boot and hopped around the shop crying, Look, I am a kangaroo, which Nora helpfully but needlessly translated. Outside, I asked the lovely Spruker if she wanted to have lunch with me. She didn't. So I went to Hooters. As previously reported, I'd noticed the Chengdu Hooters on the Christmas weekend and vowed to return to experience this apparent self-contradiction. So it wasn't too hard to find again, walking through light rain and wind, but no lightning or thunder. Having never been to a Hooters in the Western world, I had nothing with which to compare this Chinese version, but received a friendly welcome at the door from two women wearing low-cut tight t-shirts and push-up bras. I imagine neither would have passed the physical on the other side of the Pacific, but Bella and Lucy were both pretty, polite and attentive. Lucy helpfully wrote her name on a napkin for me, although I was unlikely to forget it, in the 15 seconds since she'd introduced herself. Besides, she was wearing a name tag. From the menu she handed me, buffalo wings seemed to be the sort of thing one should eat in a Hooters. And a pitcher of Guinness for 160 yuan seemed to be the sort of thing one should drink. The wings were fairly ordinary, the Guinness was fine and the allegedly buxom company was pleasant. There were a few other customers, but Lucy gave me her undivided attention, leaving only to fetch food and drink as required. Her English was basic but fluent enough for conversation, which was all about me. She gave no details of her own life. I wondered if that was company policy. When I asked Lucy for a picture, she pointed at the still half-full picture and said, now? So I asked for a photo instead. Bella took my phone as Lucy moved next to me, leaning forward and boosting her boobies in a practiced move. I'm pretty sure that was company policy. I imagine the Texicana decor was part of the franchise. Signs said things like, Hooters girls are flattery operated, and danger, blondes thinking. Yeah, good luck finding a blonde anywhere around there. But this sing is in Spanish when you're not looking seemed more likely to be locally produced because of the typo, sing and sign. The back of Lucy's t-shirt read, delightfully tacky but unrefined, which made no sense to me at all. What could be tacky and refined? Liberace? Safe and warm behind the floor-to-ceiling window, Lucy and I enjoyed the resurgence of storm conditions, watching squalls drench pedestrians and gusts destroy umbrellas. One young couple took refuge under the Hooters awning, and the girl turned her back towards the horizontal rain. As soon as she saw me, she smiled and waved, which I thought a little random and enthusiastic for Chengdu, where she'd probably see foreigners every day. But then she rapped on the window and called, Hello, party! So I waved back. 
Lucy asked, who is she? Ever the educator, I taught her the phrase, fucked if I know. When the rain eased once again, I took the opportunity to leave, making sure to both thank my hostesses and vandalize the sign in the lobby. It said, Hooters make you happy. And I wrote, seeing in front. Seeing Hooters makes you happy. Never a truer word was spoken. Or graffiti. In an act of Guinness-fueled optimism and wanting to explore Chengdu some more, I went for a walk. Until now, I'd only seen the main streets and headed up alleys and backways to see where the real people lived. Predictably, half a block from the glitzy shops, the usual ugly grey concrete dumps predominated. Equally predictably, it started to pour rain again. Many of the back streets were already submerged, so I had to zig and zag my way towards where I thought the hotel probably was. One good thing was the heat. I was saturated, but not cold. In fact, I was left hot and breathless after an impromptu rendition of Singing in the Rain for the entertainment and befuddlement of a shopkeeper, his customers and some random passers-by, complete with swinging around a lamppost and stamping in puddles, just like Gene Kelly. Unlike Gene Kelly, when I twirled my umbrella, I unintentionally unscrewed the shaft and the top blew off and floated away down a gutter. Once again, I was acting like a lunatic because whatever I did couldn't make matters worse. They would look on in equal astonishment whether I walked, danced, or hopped on one leg, yodeling like Tarzan. And it was a lot more fun to play the fool. Back at the hotel, I booked myself onto the next day's trip to see the pandas, bound to incur further rain god wrath, but I'd be stuffed if I was going to leave China without seeing one of those black and white buggers. At 7am, I clambered into yet another mini minibus and by sitting in the rear right-hand seat was able to stretch my legs out past the next two rows in front with my boots right behind the driver's bench seat. After a long wait, an English couple clambered over my ankles to sit in that row. We headed off into terrible rain and worse traffic, hit a highway and sped up to a crawl. Around 45 minutes later, we turned into a car park, although to the untrained eye, it more closely resembled a flooded paddock. Then, nothing happened. Despite the slow journey, we were too early. When it was finally time to go, I had no room to stand and had to slide off the low seat onto the floor of the van, then scoot forward on my ass until my legs went out the sliding door. This took quite a few seconds, so the others were a fair way ahead of me with the driver telling them something and the tourists nodding. As I caught up to him, he said, buttocks are even. Oh, well, thank you, but I think the left one might be a bit chubbier. He considered my reply and then tried again. Buckets are hearing. I nodded okay and walked on, wishing the buckets bon voyage 
when it occurred to me he'd been saying he wanted us back at 11. So, two and a half hours. Should be plenty of time with the giant pandas and leave me plenty of time before my flight. The Chengdu Panda Breeding Centre is a large and lovely acreage with roads and tracks leading to various enclosures where you can hopefully see some pandas. The storm had caused all sorts of damage. Broken branches were everywhere, whole trees were down, blown over bamboo stretched in every direction. After about 20 minutes, I'd seen no pandas, but after crashing along what may or may not have been a trail before the storm, I emerged into a more open area and heard oohs and ahs. There were three Chinese women standing staring at a single panda which was gnawing away on a stalk of bamboo dejectedly while they cooed delightedly. So I'd finally seen a panda. It looked exactly like it was supposed to, except much wetter and muddier. Moving on, I soon heard more oohs and ahs, but these ones were in English and German. Not sure how I could tell that, but I could. This time there were three pandas united in mutual mastication, damply but doggedly grinding their bamboo into digestible lumps. As I arrived, an elderly man from northern UK somewhere took a photo and then loudly asked, Right, we can prove that we've seen the f***ing pandas, now can we get out of the f***ing red? Best moment of the day so far, but almost immediately eclipsed when the panda closest to me pulled a long bamboo stalk towards her mouth while simultaneously keeping it away with a foot jammed on the other end. Her solo tug of war ended abruptly when her foot slipped. The bamboo sprang free and she poked herself right in the eye. I'd reached for my phone, but it was too late. A YouTube sensation missed. She rubbed her eye in a most human fashion, then got back to her full-time job of chewing. As they only eat bamboo and it contains so little nutrition, they have to eat for most of the day. As I wandered on, I took the tactic of turning onto another path whenever I saw another human being. Not that there were many stupid enough to come out in that weather. I soon found myself completely alone along a winding, narrow and quite steep upward trail, which became a more gentle slope on the way down the other side of the hill. I was soaked through, couldn't get any wetter, and had slipped into a soggy fantasy in which a single panda and I spent some quality time together. A few special moments for me to forever cherish. Of course, if you've been paying attention, you know nothing cool like that could ever happen to me. But this time, it did. Not ten metres away, a young panda was on the upper level of a two-level platform, lying on his back with a pile of bamboo on the lower. When I quietly approached, he gave me a look. Not overly welcoming, but not particularly bothered, there was a thick stone wall at a perfect height for me to rest my elbows and as I leant on it to steady my camera phone, 
we were less than five metres apart. After several snaps, I decided to switch to video and tried to see which buttons would do that through rain-soaked spectacles. And that was when he reached down for a new bamboo stalk, missed it, lost his balance, fell on his head onto the lower level and then somersaulted onto his ass in the mud. Another YouTube viral hit missed. After he climbed back up and resumed both his reclined position and his dignity, I remembered that I had some potato crisps in my jacket pocket. Reclining in a similar position to his, yes, I knew how to mirror wildlife to relax them. I'd seen Sigourney and gorillas in the mist after all. We spent the next 15 or 20 minutes with him crunching his bamboo while I crunched my crisps in the same rhythm. At one point, he stopped and looked at me, checking if I was taking the piss, but decided I was okay, and we continued to crunch together until a tiny tricycle truck overladen with more bamboo drove up and broke our spell. He then climbed down, pissed, and disappeared into the swirling mists. To this day, when strangers discover that I spent time in Sichuan, they always ask if I saw a panda. And I always reply, not just saw a panda. We had brunch together. Next time on Party in China, my final flurry of foolishness with Sonny's English Club and the battle for Chengdu Airport. By which I mean my battle to get to Chengdu Airport. You won't believe how difficult it was for me. Party Parslow. Hey, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.